Welcome to Super Movie Brothers. Let's start the show. This is a podcast on the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com. Super Movie Brothers, episode 168. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Dave. I'm your host, Super Movie Brother Jay. Hey, Jay, what'd you get down to doing this week? It's been one week since you looked at me. Got your head in the sands and I'm angry. All right, man, so what'd you get up to doing this week? Did you do anything fun? Anything you'd like to share with anyone? Anything cool? I mean, you never do anything cool. That's the thing about you. I mean... I had my first shift as a bar back at Broken Goblet. All right, yeah. Getting, so getting our, paid under the table, like, bo- <laughs> like our boys at Broken Goblet. You're getting paid under the table like a divorcee who's trying I to know. escape child support. It's the best <laughs> way, right? Tax free, <laughs> tax free. And like I said, it's tax free because you haven't filled out For a W two yet until you slip and In a fall. Couple weeks, yeah, you no. slip and fall, hurt yourself, and they find out you're not on a payroll. So they're gonna wheel your ass out back and just let you expire. <laughs> Because they can't afford. I would never sue them. Don't worry. (laughs) Oh, they're not worried about getting sued. But if they have to call an ambulance and stuff, that's the first thing that their workman's cop's going to want to know. It's like, you know, is is he working there? No, he was just a crazy man to jump back here and start a bar backing for us. (laughs) (laughs) But sir, we see him on camera behind the bar for six hours straight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, No, but honestly, it was a wild night it was a tool experience so it was the day that tool finally released a new album of theirs and they haven't done that in quite some time over a decade yeah and um it was a big deal so they hyped this up pretty much the whole year for a long time (laughs) for a long time a lot of people thought that it was going to be the actual band tool plan i know and that was kind of a funny running joke throughout the year so this place this brewery is a massive music venue brewing company and and or well brewery really and they just moved into this new location in the early summertime and i was lobbying to try and get in there to be you know working in any kind of capacity for a couple years and they finally uh you know got their legs underneath of them smoothed things out figured out their scheduling and finally asked me to start trickling in some hours and get my Get the feel for the place. And I hope was, everyone heard that. Jay's dream for the past three years has to be a bar back getting paid look, under the table. <laughs> it's the little things in life, David. I suppose. <laughs> now, look, I I did not. So it was like a Band-Aid getting ripped off because it was packed. It was pretty much almost as busy as it'll ever get at that place. And I was full-fledged bending over up and down up and down across crossing like all over the place for seven hours let me tell you with career aspirations like this i don't know why you bother with this podcast anymore (laughs) my back was never more flamed up ever in my life i was hurting hurting that night barely made it throughout the shift uh and the next 
first half of the day, I was literally in recovery between stretching, heating pad, uh, aspirin. <laughs> you need a Lauren, brother. But it was okay. I went back that night to do Kiki Quizza with Dave and our friends, and it was uh, I was all good. Yeah, you did. You, you need a Lauren. I mean, that, that's what I do. Like when I do like an entire day's worth of like yard work, or I do something strenuous, and my back is all like out of whack. I just let Lauren walk up and down my spine. Oh. Cures what ails you so quickly. And this, this was beyond anything I've ever felt before. It was it was it was very bad. But I mean, it was one of those things where like I knew this was going to be the worst it would ever be. So I'm like, all right, I can survive this. And plus, with the money involved, it was worth it. I think. Put that under the table, money, yeah. tax free money, baby. Uh, so for for me, uh, what I did this weekend was we did go to Broken Gobble. We played some kinky quizzo, uh, but we were really there to celebrate sort of like a podcast milestone yes. that we hit. We we. Well, I would just say like we had our most successful month of download numbers ever in the month of August. Not going to say how many or anything like that. Not not, not going to be too braggadocious about it. But no. Uh, but, but we we had a good month and uh, it equaled us zero zero dollars. Hence why Jay has to get a second job under the table <laughs> bar packing because <laughs> we still don't make any money really off the yes. show. We um, are still broke as shit. Still still broke. But it's going to stay that way. Probably but you for know a while. we we went there and it was you know it we I just remember just having so much fun at Kinky Quizzo last time. And and this time when I was there, I was annoyed. I was just far more annoyed than anything because the quiz master, she has a acquired taste, <laughs> like a, a, a voice that you have to acquire. You know, it is. It's very rough, very it is. Uh, heavy in the microphone. Oh, my God. And the acoustics in there are pretty loud. I wanted to so, go up there and tell her, like, you don't need to hold the mic up so it's touching your lips. Right. It's okay to hang it down here by your chest. We'll still hear you. Trust me. But she, she literally does like like we were saying like all night like she sounds like sam kinnison where like everything everything she said was punctuated with like i was up to my knees in rice patties with guns and edward going up against charlie slugging it out with him while pussies like you were back there partying putting headbands on doing drugs listen to the goddamn beetle albums Oh, oh. <laughs> hey, hey, Professor, take it easy, will you? Like, and it was yeah. bothering the shit out of me. And it's if, I, if, like if that yeah. if that loud sound was very annoying, that was my night for two hours. I'm sorry. <laughs> pissed me off and it was worse than that sound i mean believe me it was rough i mean it was definitely something back (laughs) i i don't know how people can tolerate it i mean people have fun she has a a pretty good personality the funny thing is like you would think that after doing this for so long so many years it's like her own business yeah you'd think we she'd be able to learn how to speak in the microphone properly anyway that's but anyway i mean not to give her any shit i mean i do like her she's kind of cool but uh it's just it it gets rough so i got some interesting news that kind of happened in like in in my world a little bit so uh some people may know some people may not know i was raised catholic jay and i went to catholic school practically my entire life grade school sure many people know about that uh and i i came into contact with a a priest for you know we'll call him father frank that is his real name but i'm not going to use his last name and father frank you know i was an altar boy he was the guy who was in charge of all the altar boys now he never did any well did you know (laughs) okay so i'm getting there (laughs) okay so i just found out recently today uh, everyone was texting me that Father Frank was just indicted on child sex charges. Oh God! And uh, go. he was arrested for for sex crimes that he committed between like the 1990s and the early 2000s. That time that I when was there, there. As, when I was there as an altar boy, and I like 
everyone's like, dude, did anything ever happen? I was like, no, no. I mean, nothing. Like me and my brother, both altar boys. And as far as I know, on my brother's end, but definitely on my end, nothing ever happened. I, I always was an altar boy with my friend, John. I, the guy who told me was actually uh, my, you know, my friend, John from school. It was his dad who I, I work with at times. He was telling me all about it. So, so he, he was just, he was just indicted. He was arraigned literally right down the street uh, at, at judge Wapner's, which is right down the street. I know judge Wapner. I'm sorry. We do have a judge Wapner. Uh, so he was arraigned there and then, you know, he, he went to jail and he was released on $250,000 bail and he's out now, but he will be going, he, he will be going in front of a judge very soon, but they wouldn't arrest a priest unless they have a very strong case. against oh, yeah. them. And they've already said that, that they have two victims who've came forward with credible stories and everything like that. And they're asking for more people to come forward. And the people are texting me and they're like, people actually think that are you're you, probably lying. Yeah. Too. Are you going to come forward? I was like, nothing happened. And like, that's, that, that's the thing. So like, first off, what he did is, 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 you know, reprehensible. It's disgusting. And, and I feel bad for, for anybody, you know, my heart goes out to them because, because dealing with sexual assault is one of the hardest things. That was the first thing that came to my mind when I saw this news story. The second thing that came to my mind was what the fuck's wrong with me? Like, why didn't he come? Why wasn't I chosen? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> Everybody has their own taste. <laughs> right. I just wasn't as tight. Maybe he likes type. blonde boys. <laughs> Maybe he likes blonde boys. Fair skin, you know, a little dainty. I don't the, know. The two victims are remaining anonymous right now. However, when they go to testify, as in they court, should, hopefully, they, the, as much as possible. When they go to when they go to testify in court, they probably will not be kept anonymous. However, it probably will be a closed courtroom and all that stuff. But uh, they are asking for more. More people to come forward and that's what I thought. like even the guy i work with john was just like come on he's like now were you recounting your time throughout i actually thought about it yeah and there was literally no nothing, hints nothing yeah. nothing uh, that, that i knew of now, now he's had sex charges uh, uh brought up against him about 10 years ago and and he was he, he's he's no longer a practicing priest he's still he's still in uh you know he's still part of the archdiocese and stuff like that but he is not he does not uh perform mass you know he is not allowed near altar boys and stuff like that but now since these new charges have come up you know his his previous charges were in philadelphia and they were eventually dropped for lack of evidence but these new charges are here in bucks county and he is going before a judge so he is going he more than likely is going to be going to jail but that's the thing like everyone's like what's everyone's like dave i mean nothing nothing and it's like holy shit dude like no nothing i nothing happened believe me i i probably would come forward because i I would definitely be going after the Vatican for a little bit of that cashola. You know what I'm saying? Well, <laughs> Vatican's got deep pockets, and I would love nothing more. And than that's it. all they spent their money on in the last what thirty years, probably. Yeah, exactly. Keeping people quiet, exactly. But yeah, so so uh, you know, while my first thought is is my heart goes out to the victims, the second thought is why not me? <laughs> what was wrong with me as a child? You know, it's the same prevailing thought I have now most days of my life. Why me? <laughs> why not me? <laughs> I think I think you're you're doing just fine, dude. I think I think you, you got the the better end of the stick on that one. I think I'm sure I did. I'm sure yeah. I did. So. I'm sure I did. But that's just that's just where I go. <laughs> you know, I internalize everything that happens. I it, somehow it's negative towards me, and I and I find a way to make it negative towards me. So uh, Jay, let's head over and let's find out what are you watching? What are you watching? What are we watching? He's trying to watch some illegal channel. Oh, he's watching. No, no, no. Go past this. Past this part. In fact. 
never play this again. All right, man, so what'd you get down to watching this week? Uh, I know you have two reviews. I want you to talk about what you were watching. I'll talk about what I was watching, and then you'll do your two reviews, and then we'll we'll pop over and start getting some fucking beers in us. Well, I finally finished The Boys. Boys! Loved it. I really, really, really was impressed. Fucking awesome, Actually, right? the whole arcs of every single character I thought was very uh, well done and well executed. Told you. Not with just there are, know, the superheroes, but also the humans. They're and, already in production for season two. And for such a taut little little season, I thought I was very, I mean, I was really impressed. And they a little lacking on superhero action for a superhero yeah, but, story. Yeah, but look. Budget. Th- this, that came down to budget. Budget, now, budget will be raised. So, season supposedly two, season two, the, budget, the budget's gone up significantly enough for them to add more superhero stuff. But Exactly, which would make a lot more sense. Let's not um, suck its dick too much. I already filleted it enough a right, couple weeks I'm, ago. I just wanted to give my stamp of approval as well. Thoroughly impressed with it. Um, I thought the casting with the show was really well done, and I'm happy to see the way it's going and looking forward to season two. Well, you you were given a movie homework back when, yeah, when we were True. on three weeks ago on the Countdown Pod. You were given a movie homework by Paul, Wayne, and myself for a horror film uh i you know i like the conjuring uh, quite a bit and i was actually shocked to hear that you hadn't seen it right. and uh especially given our love for patrick wilson sir our mutual love of patrick wilson this is true and you had not seen the conjuring which which was strange so paul wayne and myself gave you a movie homework to watch the conjuring so did you get around to watching it i even sent you a text message to remind you about it yes and i did and this was you know it's not that old. It's only 2013. Yes. Uh, James Wan did it. And I would say the first, maybe close to half of the movie, I was just like, okay, this is, it's fine. You know, it's very just paint by numbers to me. It wasn't anything special so far. The setups were but once very the, But once the Warrens get involved. Exactly. Once everybody moves into the house and really starts to get into trying to figure out what's going on with paranormal activity and what's going on and figuring things out, especially in this day and age, it was, you know, very cutting edge, very new, very new technology trying to capture these things. I was really impressed and more or less really impressed with the the, uh, the stunts, the stunt work, production values in that house. Um, were exceptional and really, really cool. You know, there's no quick cuts. It was all shot in frame a lot of times, a lot of practical effects done. That was the coolest things that I took upon uh, my enjoyment in this movie, I think. Yeah. And and it, it did go by pretty quickly. It's an hour and 50-minute movie. It's not that short, and luckily it's not that long, but it just feels just about right and it had a nice marriage of you know with with mostly which was smart backstory with patrick wilson and vera farmiga they're like husband and wife and you know his wife has had more a little bit ed very touched in touched experiences they are ed and lorraine warren they are based on real life paranormal investigators the famed ed and lorraine warren who now after ed has passed and i believe lorraine just passed away as well now that all that stuff is done uh, you know a lot of people has spent years kind of in especially in the paranormal circle like worshiping them and everything they did now people are starting to look back and they're like holy shit they were charlatans (laughs) (laughs) so i mean they actually have a very interesting history and stuff so i encourage anyone to to read up on ed and lorraine warren uh they have some fascinating stories about the paranormal they also a lot of respect yeah but but also like read some of like the detractors of the warrens and stuff like that and hear about like some of the more you know charlatan aspects but of that's the of funny their, thing about were. this world is you know you, you can almost 
semi proved It's like Ghostbusters. The, you just make you just make yourself up. Oh yeah. You just you just you make really it into could. a business. And it's you and it works. And it, you just find the believers and it works. But uh as far as the conjuring goes, it was like one of my favorite horror movies of like recent times. We really should do like you know a, a top five of like modern horror movies, you know, because like uh someday in the future. Uh because you know that that insidious like the those came out like right around the same mm-hmm. time, both with Patrick Wilson. And uh I, I truly love them. So I'm glad you in, at least enjoyed yourself. I know you I did. I, I didn't I did. think you're gonna love it but i'm glad that i you did not love it because you know, honestly i mean it's just not my cup of tea however i did respect it and i did enjoy it and um it's very effective I was, heart. I was happy to see it just keep ramping up and up and up for it you know, now it does you know it does fall victim to like jump scare itis you know where it's just throwing jump scares at you and stuff like that but um it, it what it I think it also it blends that in with like just true atmospheric fear, like where like yep. once once they enter into the house, especially when Ed and Lorraine get there, you feel like the right. house is against them. Exactly, and that's what I mean. Like as far as the quality of the way it was shot and directed, and the production values of the house, and and you know all the stunt work that was involved in it, you know it was semi predictable sometimes, but then. They would quickly surprise you sometimes. I'll say not, the ending. The ending is not predictable. Like the the right. ending is is. I mean, it's very exorcist, like in its brutality of of like performing an exorcism. So, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, what I got around to watching Jay this week, I didn't really watch a whole lot. I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I watched a lot, but it's nothing that I can really like go into detail about because I watched Captain America. First Avenger, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Captain America, Civil War. I watched Avengers, Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. I knew it. I spent like... Dave's sickness came back out. No, so like, it's weird. It was almost like I'm like, you know what? I'm going to say goodbye to the MCU for a while. Like, So I just decided to like watch all these movies because the MCU is going to go away for a while. It's going to come back when Disney Plus comes out and we we start getting all the new TV shows and stuff like that. And the new movies start hitting next year with with Black Widow and stuff like that. But Black Widow, because it's a prequel, it's going to feel a little bit far removed from the rest of the MCU story. So like, I just wanted to like watch all this stuff. And plus, I was in the midst of working on some of our patreon exclusive content so uh we're going to be doing a patreon exclusive you know movie cocktail for just captain america we're going to talk about captain america in the mcu the character and like his progression throughout the movies and stuff like that it's gonna be the first time we do a movie cocktail for a specific character and not for like an entire movie so i decided just to watch all the movies that had captain america in it just to start preparing for that and of course because i i love them you know i love those movies i also watched it jay because uh we are preparing yes we're preparing for it chapter two we're gonna have a review for it next week it's coming out this week we got we we and lauren already have our early show times for it so we will be going to see that very soon so i wanted to wanted to watch it chapter one which we're also doing a patreon exclusive movie cocktail for it chapter one so i wanted to watch that prepare for that so uh that's going to be our patreon episode this month so patrons can enjoy enjoy us discussing a more contemporary movie instead of a lot of times some of the older movies that we get to talking about on movie cocktail when we do the regular show but other than that man that's that that's really all i did lauren got into watching the crown 
on Netflix, and I really enjoyed going back into that and rewatching that with her this time, and great show, getting into the history of it and stuff like that. Seeing John Lithgow's performance, which is absolutely fantastic. Well, actually, season three will be coming out yeah. relatively soon, November, I believe it's coming okay. out, um, or no, early twenty twenty. It's going to be coming out. Oh, that long. Okay. So, um, but so we were watching that so that we can watch season three when that comes out, and then uh, Working Moms season three, the Catherine Reitman created show uh, that's on Netflix now. It's now a Netflix exclusive series. So season three just dropped. I find it absolutely hilarious. I think Catherine Reitman is a wonderful comedic voice uh, for for like our time right now. So if you're not checking out Working Moms on Netflix, I, I highly recommend it. All right, Jay, you got two reviews that you're going to do for everybody. You got Good Boys, right? Good Boys and Ready or Not. And ready or Not. I was so close to going to the movies this weekend and seeing Ready or Not. You should have seen both of these. Yeah, you, I'll, you, I'll you, check them out. I'm not. I'm actually, not going to be honest. And 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 the third one, I, I promised I was going to see. I just still haven't quite gotten there yet. Uh, uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon, I think, is supposed to be one of the best movies out there as far as um, it's. It was well Labor Day weekend. I that. wasn't fucking leaving the house for anything. And the weather was pretty nice. So everybody wanted to just be outside. Nobody wants to go to the movie theaters. But I made No, I just stayed inside, Jay, in the <laughs> dark playing video games and watching movies. I didn't go outside. You're I just didn't want to I just didn't want to leave the house. It just Oh, I understand. When you get a week off, sometimes you don't want to do anything. And there are times now from doing this podcast where going to the theaters feels like work. Because now I'm analyzing yeah. movies in a different way than I used to. And uh, it's not always fun. So I didn't feel like going to the movies for two. What are going to wind up being mediocre films for this year that, you know, I'll catch eventually at some point. And I'm not terribly interested in dropping $20 for each of them to watch them. But but they, but they these movies, I'll just go right out and say I thought um, they were very enjoyable. Different kind of movies. Straight up young comedy and a uh, good old fashioned interesting horror movie. So uh, I'll start with Ready or Not. One one thousand. When someone new joins the family, you have to play a game. Two one thousand. Hide and seek. Are we really gonna play that? Three one thousand. You can hide anywhere in the house. I know you're in here. Four five. You have to kill you before sunrise. Ready or not, it follows um, this young bride. She just got married to this super rich old school family. She's doing it right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they make jokes about that. And as soon as they get married, they just get right into it. It's a, it's a short little movie. Uh, it's about an hour and a half long. And they have this game because they made their fortune from uh gaming essentially in different kind of ways and forms can i ask you something yes do they play the refugees song ready or not here i come <laughs> i'm gonna find you they yeah. should have they should have i should be a movie producer you <laughs> <laughs> you're in the wrong business david uh and and they they actually have to play this game where if they draw a card and whatever that card says from the what the bride picks, they have to play. It can be everything from checkers to guess who. And there's this one card oh, that does not get picked every year for so often is I'm, hide and seek. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm, and hide and seek is not just hide and seek. It's the bride hides and everybody in the family has to kill her. The most dangerous game. 
And if they don't kill her, their fortune will go away and they will be cursed. And if they do kill her, they stay successful and everything goes I'm sorry. according to plan. Like, if it's very heightened, as soon, as soon as I picked that card, I'm like, oh, honestly, if you didn't want me in the family, you should have said something when the priest <laughs> when, when the priest was up there and he said, does anyone have any objections to this union? You should have jumped up then. But now instead, you, you, you fucking picked this card out and then, you know, I know you made that happen. This this wasn't happenstance, and yeah. now I got to run around, and you got to kill me. <clears throat> Look, as corny as it is, I had fun with this. I mean, it, oh, this is right up my alley. This is, <laughs> it was, it, and and the it was just so well realized and executed. Just to see like a, a woman killing like her family members in a wedding dress, just oh yeah, sounds great. It did not shy away from the gore um, and the humor as well. There's a lot of surprise kills, surprise situations. Uh, it was really well casted. Um, a lot of the actors were just really well done, and, and it, it is just, they just knew exactly what they were doing. Everybody was on the same page, and the production values was phenomenal. Um, it was really a good time. I was very pleasantly surprised by it, and I think uh, this Samara Weaving, who is um, I think the niece of Hugo Weaving. Okay, so she's she's, she's also you know the Kmart brand Margot Robbie. She is, <laughs> yeah, very she much is. so. Very blue eyes, yes. uh, and um, she was fantastic. She really was. So good on her, and you know, I mean, it's a solid B for me. I, I just really enjoyed it. It's it's nothing too brilliant. You know, this has script issues, obviously, for that kind of a film, but. Uh, I had a good time with it. You say script issues. I feel like I would find these issues to be quite charming. <laughs> All right, Jay. And then you got around to watching Good Boys. Good Boys. All right, your five-minute-ish review for Good Boys. Trailer. I'm having a party tomorrow. You in? You do not want to go to a party not knowing how to kiss. My parents have a CPR doll. We can practice kissing on that. You can't kiss someone without their permission. Picture this, I'm a- I found all these weapons in my parents' closet. The knobbies? Who's that? Uh... It's my mom back there. Hi, uh... Are you a pedophile? Do I look like a pedophile? You look more like a pedophile than anyone I've ever seen. So, Good Boys, it follows these three lifelong friends. They're sixth graders now. It's kind of a short life. Let's not let's not oversell it. Okay, they're only like well, eleven. No, Dave, they're sixth graders. They're not fifth graders. They're sixth graders. Okay, so Fair they enough. they are when you obviously were, when you were in sixth grade, whatever friends you uh, had, that was life. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like they, you know, you feel like you're borderline semi adult now. You know, you're like you're getting there. But this really embarked on such an interesting and like this epic journey of surprising, um, surprisingly dark adult themes. However, grounded in the reality of their actual youth and their underdevelopedness of life and not knowing how to open uh, medicine bottles, a pill bottle, you know, yeah. like a pill bottles to. You know, not knowing exactly what's going on, how to kiss or sex or different nuances of life that you just haven't had that kind of experience yet. Yeah. You're just fucking sixth grade. There's certain so, things that they don't teach you when you're growing up. Like, right. People you teach have you, to live to learn, right? People teach you to tie your shoes. People teach you to swim. People teach you to ride a bike. Jay, something I learned this week that no one ever taught me was mm. how to properly open a beer can. So for years- Without breaking a fingernail. I've huh? been trying to like use my fingernails yeah. or I use my teeth or I find something to wedge in there. And then I learned, Jay, that you just press your thumb on the tab and the back of the tab lifts up and 
it's magic. And I feel like I'm saying this and everyone's like, yeah, you big dumbass. That's that's how you're supposed to open a fucking can. But to me, no one taught me how to do that. Yes. I was 33 years old the day I learned how to open a beer can properly. <laughs> so I get where these kids are coming from. <laughs> exactly, Dave. <laughs> So Jacob Tremblay is our main lead. He is adorable and perfectly casted. I, all three of these guys were great. Um, Keith L. Williams played Lucas. Brady Noon uh, played Thor. And they just had an interesting dynamic of friendship. Um, First off, how any kid named Thor is not the coolest kid in fucking class, I'll never know. To me, he was the coolest kid <laughs> in this movie. I, I really liked him a lot. And... <clears throat> It really touched on a lot of different kind of moments. It was, and it was nice school scene. moments, friend moments, trying to be cool, trying to be yourself, trying to follow your own path. You it's, know, it's nice seeing Jacob Tremblay not playing the creepy kid in something. Right. <laughs> oh, because it, it, even was, it was just so much fun. Because even in Room, where he played Brie Lawson's son, yes, he was he was the creepy kid in, in that movie too. Even though yeah, there's reasons for why he's creepy, it's fine. Yeah. He's still the creepy kid in that movie. Play with us, Daddy. Um, he's got a creepy kid face, you know. It was, uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, he's 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 gonna be a star one day. I'll tell you that. And uh, it was just a good, fun movie. The humor, for the most part, worked pretty well with me. I I just had, um, you know, obviously some things fell flat. Some things just weren't quite set up well enough or were cut a little too short. I still but it was think- funny to see, like, you know, was the thing that I, I, I kind of found a lot of um, pretty funny was they had a lot of crying scenes, okay. you know, because they're getting into fights, when they, but they're in sixth grade and they don't know and understand, like, you know, they're getting all these emotional turmoil, like, frustrated, like, arguments with their friends and they're just crying and they're all like, <laughs> but you can see their fake tears. <laughs> There's like those big glob tears going down their cheeks and that's just from, uh, you know, hair and makeup people probably putting that on their faces or something. But all right. it was, I don't know, it, it's still a fun movie. I'm also going to give this a B. I still it's feel a like... solid, fun little... Interesting. I still feel like comedy. producers of this movie were just like, "Oh, we're gonna make super bad, but we're gonna scale them down. We're gonna make them a little yeah, younger." But like, <laughs> it touches on these like this era that you just never see on screen, and it, it was just so cool to see that. And I, you just, don't see it portrayed in that way anyway when no, you see it on screen. No. You never see it aged down like that. No, and I, 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 I really appreciated that because that was an era of mine that I. That's really my childhood that I think of is right. that kind of era. Right. Look, look, we saw Booksmart when I was rollerblading sh- around town or on my bike, getting into shenanigans with my my buddies and stuff, and sneaking in pornos in the woods and watching them. And like, like we oh. saw we saw Booksmart earlier this year, which was kind of like the and I I, I I never want I don't want to say like female version, but it, it you know it it kind of was the female perspective of the teen comedy, right. and and this is the preteen perspective of the teen comedy. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> So, you know, it's, you know, spin the bottles, st- stupid stuff like that. It, you know, it's just, it's, it was adorable. It was fun. And again, it was just a nice hour and a half movie. So, uh, kudos to them. It is worth checking out at some point. Not worth rushing out to the theater per se, but neither of these seem like uh, theater movies. No, but there's definitely worth checking out at some point or another. But you can sure. see how, like, you know, when me and Lauren on the couch binge watching, you know, The Crown and, and binge watching Working Moms and watching MCU movies this weekend, you can see how, like, you look at yourself and you're you're in comfy clothes and you go, you want to go to the movies and see Ready or Not? No. <laughs> 
you want to go to movies and see and see Good Boys? And she's like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to get up and make some bacon for breakfast? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whole house smelled like bacon. Well, best, best that ever. sounds like best married couple in their 30s. <laughs> yes. Yes. You want to crack a beer open at 1 p.m.? Yes. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's a holiday weekend, Jay. Drink up. <laughs> but I'm glad that you enjoyed those. I definitely do want to check them out. Um, but really, I'm, come on. I'm just saving myself for it chapter two this week. And I got to say, uh, the Joker buzz is getting me while I've hated the finally while I've hated the marketing the fact that it's getting such rave reviews from from early screenings and stuff you know obviously my interest was look if this was going to be a dumpster fire I was going to see it anyway because then I got to stand on on top of my mountain and go I told everybody but now that it's going to be good I can actually be happy about it and just have to eat my crow and enjoy it if it's going to be good and I could say told you so no you don't get to say told you so (laughs) you don't get to say that Jay all right I'll say something different (laughs) because you didn't make the movie if you made the movie then you could say told you so Todd Phillips could come here and he could say told you so and he deserves it <laughs> all right jay let's head over let's get into our beers Welcome back to the beer segment. Me and Jay got two beers that we're going to be reviewing for you. But before we do that, got to drop a line to our sponsor, Blowfish. Blowfish, it's the only FDA-approved hangover cure. What it is, two tablets that you drop into 8 to 12 ounces of water, drink it down, and your hangover starts to feel better immediately. So if you were out celebrating on a Saturday night and you went to Kinky Quizzo and your quiz master was just so loud on the microphone that she sounded like Sam Kinison, like, these things don't come out! That's what she sounded like for two hours while you're playing Quizzo, and you wound up drinking so much that just just to drown out the noise that you not exaggerating <laughs> that you wound up going home and having to take some blowfish to ensure that you don't wake up with a hangover. So if you would like to cure the scourge of hangovers for good, make sure you head over to fourhangovers.com. Use the promo code SMBFISH to get your fifteen percent off. I'm cured. Praise God. Super Movie Brothers is also brought to you by the Podcoin app. The Podcoin app is a podcast listening app that you can download on iOS or Android devices. It allows you to listen to all your favorite podcasts while earning points for each minute that you listen to podcasts. You can then use those points to purchase gifts for yourself, gift cards to some of your favorite places, or you can save up your points and donate them to charity and just be, you know, just just feel good about yourself for oh, once, yeah. you know? How can you yeah, not? You know, just feel good about it. Maybe when you're hungover and you're taking your blowfish and you're waiting for it to kick in, pop on the PodCoin and then just, you know, donate some of your points and start feeling good about yourself. So make yes. sure you download PodCoin and you listen to Super Movie Bros on there by going to your Android and iOS app stores to download PodCoin. All right, Jay, you got a beer that you're going to be reviewing for us tonight, man. What is that beer? What you got drinking there? I have Spitzel Brewing Company's Shiner Oktoberfest. Yeah, and I I assumed like I have for some reason I've always seen Shiner and I just associate it with like that men's right. organization that's like charitable and they run like the Shiner's Hospital for Children and stuff like that. But they're they're also kind of like a moose lodge and whatnot. Yeah, turns out that's not the case. No, 
even even the style of of the whole bottle and everything is very German, very European looking. But it's not. It's it's Texas, baby. <laughs> And um, from Shiner, Texas, actually. That's the name of the town. And it is a 5.7 alcohol by volume. Very, very Oktoberfest style beer. It is a very muddy, like dull color brown. Has a bit of a flat taste yeah. to it. However, it is extremely sweet and malty. Uh, a lot of caramel notes, um, but not too much of a like a bite to right it. But, but it's a proper i feel like it's a proper good old-fashioned oktoberfest but like most oktoberfest no they're not exactly bold and robust and robust beers no. you know like there's there's nothing usually any bold about oktoberfest it's very to the point very bland <laughs> however very drinkable and you're, it's not a bad beer i'm trying I'm, I'm sounding a little down on it but it's a pretty good beer i'm, I'm kind of I'm upset because you're jumping ahead normally we save oktoberfest for like for like a theme where we do throughout the entire month, but you're jumping in early, you know, like we treat it like our pumpkin spice. <laughs> I know. And honestly, and this is the reason why I only got, um, well, one review beer that I was going to do. That one is, okay, so I have to admit, I didn't get to our normal girl. I, I, I kind of cheated on Christina. That's right. I found a better, we, pl- we, I found a better place anyway. <laughs> It was mostly because this place was right next to the liquor store. We had I had to stop in there really quick before I came over to record. And oh, you went, I to, you went to little... Dion's Beverages right next to the uh, state store. Yeah, yeah, it's where I go a lot. Yeah, they're cool. And um, nice they had some single individual ones, like a lot of like they just said, like a little somebody drops one or whatever. Something happens, they throw in all the odd ducklings into yeah. this one cooler. It's literally at the end of my street. That's why I go there a lot. It's yeah. like so close. So and it, yeah, so I just kind of picked up a few random things, and it was that. So some odds and ends, some little bits. Yeah, yeah why not the leftovers? I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. I've always seen this brand. I just never picked one up before, and I'm happy I did. All right, so I am. Drunk. Oh, let me give it a grade. Real oh quick. yeah, uh, I'm gonna give it a two point seven five out of five. Sure. So you don't hate it. You just, you know, don't love it. No, exactly. <laughs> so I am drinking the Ballast Point Brewing Company Grunion Pale Ale. This is a proper West Coast pale ale. Mm. It is super smooth, super dry hopped up front, very bitter on the back end, but it is crisp, clean, and refreshing. Uh, I fucking like it uh, quite a bit. I like I like it a good bit. Yeah, I'm gonna be giving this a four out of five. Very nice. I like this. I like this a lot. It's a little bit, it's a little bit too bitter on the back end, but you know, I'm not gonna kick it out of bed for eating crackers. It's solid. I like it a bit. So let's Jay, let's head over, let's get into our top five for this week because we are doing our top five favorite cult films. Yeah, this is gonna be cool. It's been quite some time since we got ourselves into a top five. And we do have some top fives on the back burner. We've been waiting for kind of like a lull in the movie season to get back into our top fives where we don't have to do so many, you know, big reviews and stuff. And this week just happens to be one of those weeks where we don't have a lot of big reviews to do. We're waiting on it. And then we'll probably get some chance to do some top fives in the fall, too. Oh, yeah. So uh, we decided this one's been one that's been sitting on the back burner for quite some time. You know, I am a huge fan of cult films you know i've been on mark's show cult movie cult you can check them out on itunes and anywhere that you listen to your podcasts and uh you know i absolutely love cult film uh i I love just loving this thing that's like it's niche right like i i it's it makes you feel good to have something that you love that not everybody else is into now 
cult film is kind of like this topic that it's kind of changed in the past like couple of years where I feel like a lot of the cult films that I love are now more widely accepted by people. However, there are still some that you know, I, I feel not enough people have seen, and it's the type of you know, cult films are the type of movie that they weren't either critically successful or they didn't make a ton of box office or they didn't have a wide enough release for a general audience to to catch a glimpse of them, or they were just ahead of their time. But now they resonate so much more, and I I, I really love turning people on to some of my favorite cult films, and that's I think that's what everybody who who is a fan of cult film or has a cult film that they love oh, sure. loves turning other people onto it and showing it to them and it's also that thing where like you get really upset if they don't like it as much as you do or when you watch it with them you end up watching their faces to see if they react at a scene the same way you did when they don't you're slightly disappointed (laughs) which is my it's my movie going experience with lauren like 90 percent of the time that i show her any of my cult favorite films well i think that's something that's really interesting to you know you bring up and and i'm my list is is going to be pretty surprising, I think, to a lot of people because See, I, I definitely in- went more, for the most part, I think, off the beaten path to some degree. I tr- I really try to stay away from any type of, in my mind or perspe- perspective, well-known, even if they are very culty and they are still hit or miss to some people. I still feel like more people are aware of these kind of movies sometimes. For me, it's but going it to it's going to be a bunch of movies that I'm sure people have heard me talk about on this show before if they've been listening for for long enough. But sure. we got a lot of new listeners, so so maybe I'll surprise a few people. But Jay, what is your number 5? Number 5 is probably the most obscure film I'll probably have on my list. It is Dead Man. Your hair is soft. It's like a girl's. By God, it is soft. Now, how do you get it that way? See, this old stuff of mine, it's just, well, it's just like old barn hay. There ain't a darn thing you can do with it. Okay. Dead Man is Jerem- Jim Jaramusch's film uh, from 1995 starring Johnny Depp, and he plays an accountant. It's a Western, so this is a Western fantasy drama. Some would call him is- Jim Hit or Miss Jaramusch. Yeah. <laughs> Like we did when we when we saw The Dead Don't Die, which we reviewed this year. <laughs> exactly. So his films are classically very obscure, very total cult, unique, and very culty. Oh yeah. So this one is also one of those things that you know it's it's black and white. It's a obscure kind of movie. This guy, he's an accountant, played by Johnny Depp. You know he he's got this new job. I think it's New Mexico, somewhere in the West. And he's you know it's a western, so it's very old school. He's on his one train going in the middle of nowhere. He takes his job and he falls into murdering somebody, and then he's going on the run. And he encounters this Native American, and they go on this kind of weird spiritual journey, and they're, you know, they've got their bounties on their head, and they're just trying to survive. And it's a beautifully shot movie with a Neil Young guitar score that I heard he actually scored from just watching the movie and alone in the sound booth and just riffing. You know, while watching the movie, which is kind of cool. It's kind of unique. And it's definitely a movie that grows on you the more times you've seen it. And I've only seen it probably three or four times, but I really do appreciate it. And it is extremely culty and extremely, extremely enjoyable. And it, you can just let it wash over you in a very late night kind of just sure. manner. And this is Johnny um, Depp when he was Johnny Depp and not Johnny Depp, insert eye roll, Johnny Depp. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Exactly. <laughs> so I had a couple of movies of Johnny's actually, and they were, you know, you know, there's a, I'm going to mention a few, a few different kind of movies in, in honorable mention later on. But um, Dave, what's your number five? My number five is George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead from 1978. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. So uh, not the Zack Snyder remake, you know, from 2004. This is the yes. original, 1978. Uh, I absolutely love the, the entire Dead series. And it was hard for me. You know, I think I put this at, at number five because while it is an extremely enjoyable movie, it is somewhat dated. But for the time, it was extremely groundbreaking practical effects and i mean i do love going back to this movie this is like one of my main stay halloween movies you know group of people escape the zombie apocalypse out of out of a city you know hold up in a small mall and they they have this this minor inner turmoil that's going between them as the entire world around them is going to hell there's some absolute gut-wrenching gory scenes but then there's also scenes of levity and fun where you know you could see where where people are starting to kind of lose it in the in the zombie apocalypse a little bit and the ending is just george a romero that uh, that, it's it's almost like you take the director and you turn him into a verb like (laughs) or an adjective this is george a romero like this is when you think of his movies this is the movie that i think of and and i absolutely love just about every minute of it and i can't get people to watch it enough i know a lot of people these days really really enjoy and love the the Zack Snyder cut the the Zack Snyder one which is fine you know that's great I don't dislike that movie but I think more people should be watching this one because I think it says a lot about our world today which is very reminiscent of the world that that it, it was made from with rapid consumerism and all that stuff so yeah gotta be George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead all right buddy so my number four is 2004's Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> got it how much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? Yeah. Now, this is a classic case where, I'll be honest, when this first came out, so I was maybe 19, 20 years old, I guess, uh, when I first saw this. Almost, I past the, almost past the age when you should enjoy it, right? <laughs> I guess. I mean, I did not like this movie. No, no, don't don't feel like bad because like, I remember I was probably 17 and I went with my girlfriend at the time who was 16 and we went and saw it and it was like the first time me and her went to, a th- went to the movie <laughs> theaters and didn't feel the same way coming out of a movie where she absolutely loved it and I fucking hated it yeah and it was it was this most awkward thing where she's like how can you not find it hilarious and i was like i i, I how can you <laughs> I, I just found it awkward and annoying yeah and i, I think over time it was almost bef- it was almost like cutting edge like before it's time totally in, was in some ways totally you know? was and it was <laughs> definitely before it's time because my god i've seen this probably five or six times now and it only gets better. Yeah, that's the thing. It only like, gets better and better. And I'm telling you, the second and definitely the third locked in loved yeah. this movie was full on got it 
loved it. Every single character, every single comedic tick and moment. You just, it made me like almost angry with myself for not, not liking in, it. Yeah, yeah, not liking it in the beginning. But at the same time, you never saw anything like I this think before. There, I think there is something to be said about Zeitgeist like wearing you down. Also, where like we're like you, when you hear so many people talking about something that they really enjoy, and then you you give it more of a chance. It was an MTV that, movie. That it was time. hyped up a lot. But you know, you give it more of a chance when you find out that more people like it, and you pay attention maybe a little bit more to see like what they were seeing and stuff. Also, when I saw it, I was dark, Dave right like i was i was i was emo dave like like this is dave who was like fight club's my favorite movie you know like like i I was an annoying pissant little shit at that time so like this this wasn't dark enough for me you know like i I didn't get the humor and then i think i think me now finds things far more subtly humorous oh god i mean everything between the dynamic between napoleon and pedro to right you know of course uncle rico you know and just knowing as an adult uncle rico is so much more funnier in a lot like, of ways i just now. watched rushmore again this weekend uh-huh. late night after i was finished editing our, our last episode and like i realized like that movie came out in 1998 if i had saw if i had seen that movie when i was a younger man i would have hated it i would have thought that it was a boring meandering unfunny movie but because i saw it more towards my my 20s into like adulthood and stuff like that i found a ton of humor in it and i think it's the same way with napoleon dynamite yeah all right my number four jay is this is spinal tap (laughs) very special because if you can see yeah the numbers all go to 11 look Right across the board. Oh. 11, oh, 11, and most of 11, and then amps go up to 10. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not 10. You see, most, most blokes are going to be playing at 10. You're on 10 here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on 10 on your guitar. Where can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. (laughs) Because this is... You know, very much like Napoleon Dynamite, it's right. it's this comedy that just exists in its in its gags. It is all gags, and yes. and it is, you know, it's amazing when you when you, when you think that like most of this is completely ad lib. They just turned the camera on and just became these characters and just let it flow out. And there's just moments of true hilarity. And I know when I did this, uh, this was on my top five for rock and roll movies. You hadn't seen it. Have you seen it since? Right, I have not. Yeah, oh, dude, you got to see this and movie. I, and it is on my list to see. I, I definitely, uh, I it, saw the trailer. You know, it's definitely something I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to finally catching it, it at some point. It was definitely but. before it's time because this type of comedy comes around like every now and then, like, you know, obviously in the 80s with this is Spinal Tap. Again, later on in, in the early 2000s with like Anchorman and stuff like that these type of just ad lib comedies where where these comedic actors just embody a role and play that character so much that they're just always on and the camera's always rolling and they and they catch the best bits uh you know and obviously it's filled with completely iconic scenes of you know the amp going to 11 <laughs> and yeah. i love it and it's like these go to 11 <laughs> you know and, and when they're when they're getting all hyped up to go out for for their show and they're like rock and roll 
and they can't they can't find the stage and they get turned around get but they have shit. to keep that amped up yeah. rock and roll uh it's it's filled with so many funny little bits like that and if if it's one of those movies that you haven't seen or you haven't seen it in a while i it's one of those ones i think everyone's got to go back to every, every now few and then years yeah exactly it cuz it's there's so many little things that you're you are going to find funny in it right. that that something you found funny 10 years ago may not be funny now but you may find something else in it to be even more even funny. more funny right, now right, yes yeah, right. so. i got you love it good call man uh so my number three is 1995's clueless i don't know why dion's going out with a high school boy they're like dogs you have to clean them and feed them and they're just like these nervous creatures that jump and slobber all over you ew get off of me Ugh, as if yes clueless that's okay this now. this is a wonderful movie Ooh, baby so i'm 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 going. My list is very much nostalgic rewatchability. I, I'm going to say that right now. So there are obviously some movies that I think maybe quote unquote are better or more interesting or more culty or whatever. But for me, I really just have to, have to stick with what I think is more just nostalgic because it hits home personally for me more. Now, Clueless is exactly one of those kind of examples where I was a youngster and when this came out, this was. 90s like all over flash on the screen socially uh high school era popular kids rich kids poor kids skater kids like it was it just hit it on the head it was a very smart it was a very smart smart team comedy funny and so self-aware and it was very well executed from the filmmakers to the actors you know paul rudd you know still as gorgeous as ever and alicia silverstone always had a crush on her from that moment when i saw her in this movie and you know as crazy as it sounds like this it's it's so fucking perfect the way they did this movie this is it holds up i think it's actually now getting another crowd another generation's recovering or re uh getting re introduced into this kind of movie because it's, it is so blatantly crazy and funny it was what's you know what i found surprising like after i saw it because um i've never read this book but you know it's based on jane austen's emma which is mm. like a, you know the story of like of like a socialite and stuff like that and i i mean i remember the first time when i watched this the first thing i thought was like chick flick right and then like when i when i watch it as i get older it has something to say about teen society at its time or just teens in general uh, and, sure. and, and and the self-absorbed nature of, of teenagers and 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 how laughable that is to an adult you know and and that's what winds up becoming funny and the fact that paul rudd looks exactly the same as he does at now. age 50 <laughs> as he did at age 25 it's unbelievable it's disgusting the fact that this man this man has found Ponce de Leon he's found the fountain of youth and he's been drinking it and I need to know where it is him and Jared Leto (laughs) I know (laughs) those are two guys I I think of more than anybody it's unbelievable all right Jay what's your number three my number three it's the 1994 directorial debut for Kevin Smith it's clerks working on my day off the goddamn steel shutters are closed. I deal with every backward-ass fuck on the planet. I smell like shoe polish. My ex-girlfriend is catatonic after fucking a dead guy. And my present girlfriend has sucked 36 dicks. 37. And uh, I, and I, I nice. got to put this on here because I respect Kevin Smith so much, but I also, like, so much of my youth was growing up with Kevin Smith movies. Like, all throughout high school, me and my good friend Kenny, like, we watched Kevin Smith movies. Like, we, and, and, and you know, we loved them like we like the few the view of 
universe. We like this world that he built. And one of my favorite things doing it was like watching clerks, watching mall rats, watching chasing Amy and like drawing these lines that, that are like that, that connect them all. And like where they, they all exist in the same universe that, and it's funny. Like it, it's funny. And especially like when you're a 20 something and you're watching clerks and, and you're seeing Dante in this dead end rut and you know, you can feel for him cause you feel like you're in a dead end rut, but like you don't want to be Dante, even though you feel like Dante, that's not who you want to be. You want to be Randall, yeah. Randall who accepts his lot in life and takes the bull by the horns and just fucking does what he wants. You wish that you were that person. And we all feel like we had that friend that, that just took the bull by the horns and was so much outgoing than we were and stuff like that. And I, and I think like that dynamic being brought to film is it, it was done in a way that I don't think anyone's ever really done it before with with a script. Be, to this day, like I can watch it and it's still funny and stuff where I may not resonate with the characters of, of Dante and Randall like I did in my 20s. You know, it still brings me back to that time where, when I was that age and, and being somewhat nostalgic for it, but also being like, thank god it's fucking over right like i like getting older for the most part the aches and pains they suck but you know i i like becoming a more mature being and watching them go through these these completely trivial you know life things that that are so important to them yeah it it, it kind of makes you feel good but it also makes you feel nostalgic and it makes you laugh a lot so clerks 100 percent, kevin smith you know i i no, can't say enough about I mean, absolutely. I mean, a lot of his movies are cult-ish movies, just like Jim Jarmusch. Now, my number two. Uh, this is a film that I have heard about for a long time before I finally caught it, um, about a year to two years ago. And more and more, still enjoy it, still respect it, and get more from it. And it's very rewatchable, even though it is a very uh, lightheartedly dark crime drama thriller movie. Lightheartedly dark crime drama thriller sort of movie. Okay. 2008's In Bruges. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I think you'd understand. It's kind of hard gonna... to pin that down, isn't kinda. it? Kind of. It is kind of. It's kind of like a crime comedy, but it's yeah, also like. European, you know, they got the heavy accents going on. This movie is mostly all taking place in Bruges. Belgium but it's also extremely dark like it, it, is. it is a it is very dark dark movie it is and and that's one of the things that I really love about it it had such it did such a fantastic job of marrying all of those tones so beautifully and this is the debut film for uh martin mcdowell and, and, and mcdonald he he's um he's done seven psychopaths and obviously three billboards outside Evan, missouri and he's he's an accomplished guy man and he doesn't do many things but he's really talented he's a writer director he does all this shit and this one he just knocks it out of the park um the you know the chemistry between colin farrell and brennan gleason uh, playing these assassins, hiding out in this charming little town, and I, you know, one. No, it's a, it's a it, town it's, that everyone finds charming, well, except for Colin Farrell. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> he he really he kills it, man. He, the, his paranoia, his neurosis, the, the trauma that he's dealing with, and there's a lot going on in this movie, and it goes by quick. I think it's about an hour and fifty minutes long, but it's it's super good, it's super rewatchable, and it's definitely definitely worth checking out. Please. Go find this. This is one of those things where I think Dave, along with my buddy John, oh my God. talked about it for years before I finally saw it. And there's, uh, there's I'm a really lo- happy I finally got it, and I love it. I, I, I absolutely love when I first get there, and and you know, uh, uh, Ken is talking about how charming Bruges is, and he's like, Ken, I grew up in Dublin. I love Dublin. If I'd grown up on a farm and was retarded, 
Bruges might impress me, but I didn't, so it doesn't. <laughs> that's, that's the way you're introduced to Bruges. <laughs> Oh god! And of course, and of course, the whole the whole uh, you know little person dwarf subplot. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's one of those movies. So many good things you just it. have to experience. It's definitely streaming right now somewhere. Uh, I, I it's either Hulu, Netflix, or Amazon Prime. I know it's streaming somewhere, yeah. but yeah, it's it's definitely a gem that I think people should check out. RJ, right, my number two, Reservoir Dogs. Man, oh, uh, it's it, you know I, I put this on here over Pulp Fiction and, and other. Quentin Tarantino films. Not that I think it's the best Quentin Tarantino film, but I think it's the best. It's the ex- most. It's it's the more culty. Film. It, it is the more culty film. But I didn't just put it on here because it's Quentin Tarantino, and I felt like it should be on here. Like I truly love this movie. I love the storytelling in this movie, and I remember watching this movie, and I was like, "This is the." F- kind of like the first time I was introduced to non-linear storytelling, like this storytelling that, that that tells a character's story more so that it's telling like this giant overarching story. Now, each of their like little chapters, they all interweave and stuff like that, and we do get a full cohesive story, but we're not getting it at the time. And I remember being really impressed with that as a very young man, but I also being really impressed with the blood and the fucking violence and the way that these gangsters talked and yeah. and the way that like just just everything is just this little conversation where there's so many little nuggets of of like funny but also like truth and stuff like i, I love the diner scene you know I, I love that these are these are a bunch of machismo professional criminals and they're arguing over who gets to be what color <laughs> like why yeah. does he get to be mr yeah. you know why does he get mr B- be mr blue i want to be mr blue why does he get mr blonde why am i mr pink you know like it's it's funny but it's it's also extremely dark and i don't think i don't think any movie had ever taken you know crime in that way to to bring such such stark violence to it he changed the game and i mean of course like the scene that everyone remembers and it's the scene i think of all the time is you ever listen to k billy's super sounds of the 70s my personal favorite. Joe Egan and Jerry Rafferty were a duo known as Dealer's Wheel when they recorded this Dylan-esque pop bubblegum favorite from April of 1974. That reached up to number five as K-Billy Super Sounds of the 70s continues. I mean, how can you not fall in love with the movie at that scene? And then Steelers wheel plays, and he cuts off the fucking cop's ear. It's just so fucking good. All right, Jay, we're there. Before we do your number one, any honorable mentions that you want to rattle off? I will, Dave. I have um, written down Office Space, Donnie Darko, Ed Wood, and Crybaby. So... Uh, a lot I would of, kind of argue of, that Ed Wood isn't cults. Oh yeah, it but is. all right, fair enough. I mean, that was not a fucking hit at all. <laughs> it just it just feels like it's Burton like in his heyday. You know, he had already done a bunch of big blockbuster films. Yeah, but this and was stuff. not a successful. It's true. Film. I it's mean, true. it got Martin Landau an Oscar. Look, but, like that was just one thing I learned. One thing I learned, like going through this list and like some things that I thought were cult but kind of weren't cult. I was like, you know, cult really is in the eye of the beholder. Like it, it just has to be something that that didn't resonate at the time but resonates now, and something that like people enjoy now. You know, 
Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Fine. Fair enough. All right. So, my honorable mentions are Reanimator, The Blues Brothers, Last House on the Left, the 1972 version, like one of Wes Craven's first films, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974, They Live. I mean, who doesn't love They Live? Put the damn glasses on. <laughs> I've come to kick ass and chew bubblegum. And I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> Rowdy Rowdy Pipers, you know, Opus. <laughs> uh, a movie called Wrist Cutters, Jay. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that. Uh, Patrick yeah. Fugit commits suicide, kind of goes into like this in-between uh, life and death world. Uh, Dead Alive, Peter mm-hmm. Jackson early film. Uh, Be Kind Rewind, Michelle Gondry film with Jack Black and Moe's Death. And then finally, Jay, I, I, what I think is Guy Ritchie's best film, Snatch. Because good call, Dave. Yeah, that that's definitely worthy. Snatch is the one that didn't make my list. Like that, that's my number six. Like it's the one that I didn't get to put on my list, and I'm really regretting that I had to cut it off. But you got to make the cut off somewhere. But Snatch is just so damn good. All right, Jay, what uh, is your number one cult movie? I'm actually going to go with Swingers. Right now, I want you to go over to that girl and I want you to get those digits. Your money. Come here a second. Listen to me. Now, look it. When you go up to talk to her, man, I don't want you to be the guy in the PG-13 movie. Everyone's really hoping makes it happen. I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie, you know? The guy you're not sure whether or not you like yet. You're not sure he's coming from, okay? You're a bad man. You're a bad man. You're a bad man. Bad man. So, 1996's Doug Lyman film written by John Favreau and you know this this is the the first big marking of the duo Vince Vaughn John Favreau on screen their friendship you know along with you know you see Ron Livingston in there and you know a couple other little wisecracking asshole friends of theirs uh, Patrick Van Horn you don't see very often anymore and Alex Dessert so it you know Heather Graham playing uh, the the vixen that John Favreau is just pawning after towards the end of the movie um, after he's finally getting over his ex that they uh, when she broke up with him. This movie it's just it's so male. It's so it's it's so relatable in a lot of ways too because I had been that guy. Like I've been that corny guy that obsesses over the girl that and tries to be so cool too. Like well, but not just tries to be cool, but also. The John Favreau character. Like, you have, like, your friendships. Like, you have the Vince Vaughn guy who just wants to party, fuck, hang out, live live their best life. How right? I picture and portray you. Right. <laughs> but deep down, I'm John Favreau. I'm the one that's crying in his coffee and alone in his in his apartment, not showering and shaving for, like, four days straight. You know, like, I, I, I am that kind of depressive dude, um, you know, wallowing in his misery. I, you know, there's so many th- aspects of this movie that I could relate to because there are so many aspects of me in me. <laughs> for so, you know, it's, four days without showering, crying into your coffee, well, you're wallowing in something, Jay. <laughs> it's your semen. <laughs> you got to watch that crusty bits off of your yeah, off of your pubes, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that, that gets that gets rough. It gets rough. That's rough. Rough. Have no, you ever, but this have you ever jerked is... off so much that you didn't clean your pubes off that you wound up having to shampoo and condition your pubes? <laughs> I gave up and just shaved them off. <laughs> so this, uh, yeah, this movie, I just love it. I just love it. I love the the way it ends, the shots of it, the, you know, 
the lines, the bits, the ending, it's just, it's got so much to it, so much rewatchability. Um, it's a lot of fun. I do think it is a bit of a culty movie, and I think it is something that I think a lot of this generation has not caught yet. I think they're a little behind, perhaps. You know, the new age moviegoers, um, you know, the, the youngsters that are like 21 and under, say, whatever. I don't think they've caught this movie yet. I, I, I'm just saying that. I'm not sure. I don't know. But I just feel like it's kind of flown under radar for a little while now. But if they're good movie buffs, they've caught it. Yeah, so I definitely say if you haven't seen this, check it out. And uh, yeah, Mayan's one that I'm sure everybody listening to this to this show have seen. If they haven't, they should have. And if they don't like it, then you belong in Jay's camp. Get off of my side. It's Sam Raimi's Evil Dead Two: Dead by Dawn. Hey, I swallow your soul! I swallow your soul! I swallow your soul! <laughs> swallow this. <laughs> I mean, come on. I talk about it all the time. It's literally one of my favorite movies. Yeah. You know, there there are some trilogies that I absolutely love. Indiana Jones, you know, the original Star Wars trilogy, Evil Dead (laughs) trilogy. You know, this Army of Darkness, like, I absolutely love them. I know, Jay, you didn't like it, and we just talked about it. An absolute crap ton in our movie cocktail for it. So I'm not going to belabor the point at all, but I... I love the movie. I, I I love the blend of comedy and horror. I love the direction of it. And yeah. I love the practical effects, the blood and gore. And I love it mainly for its mistakes. I love the fact that that its mistakes are there on film to show what a true what you can do with a true low budget and the limitations and stuff like that. Sure. But you can still make an effective horror movie, an effective horror comedy at that. That's so. that's enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Sure. Now, like I said before, I enjoyed it more the second time watching. Um I had to see it twice. <laughs> It, it's I, I can see that it's one of those movies. However, where it is you're kind of, of bewildered things. the first time you see it. Well, <laughs> especially because it's so fucking dated. You know that's the problem. I think if you see this movie when you were a kid in 1993, 1995, whatever it might have been as a youngster, uh, not when it first came out, obviously, but like you're young and you never really seen too many horror movies before, and you see this thing, yeah, that that would probably fuck me up, <laughs> and I probably would have held it to a much more higher degree um, to this day. But watching it for the first time as a 35-year-old, eh, <laughs> not so much. Um, I, especially because I'm not a horror guy to begin with, and not especially not a horror no, comedy you are guy. not. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was hard for me to stomach. And, and it was one of those things where knowing what I was getting into the second time around, it definitely helped. It and does. you definitely appreciate certain things and you enjoy a lot more. Well, I'm glad that you are turning around on it just a little bit, Jay. Turn around every now and then I get a little bit colder. And I don't know. <laughs> I know. And another piece of me dies. Turn, Turn around, bright eyes. Every now and then I fall apart and I need you more than ever I fucking need you here tonight I fucking need you as Dave's air thrusting right now. Uh, uh, uh. 
So that's going to do it for our top five cult films. Uh, please reach out to us on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, it's at SuperMoviePod on Twitter, Super Movie Bros Podcast on Facebook. Let us know what your favorite cult films are. We'll read some of your responses on next week's show. Uh, if you want to catch some of our Patreon-exclusive movie cocktails, some of those Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have coming out, you're going to have to join the Patreon. So head over to patreon.com slash Bros podcast on there for just one dollar a month you can get those additional episodes or more more, and we have some other incentives for you that reminds me i've been doing some patreon updating uh this past week just updating some of our patrons on stuff that's going to be coming but i also forgot that i need to uh take some pictures of some of the new stuff that we have in the loot chest for for people for the new people that are coming in yeah a lot of them to check out so uh you can head over to patreon.com slash super movie bros podcast join the patreon Become part of the family. Get the extra content. And then we are part of a network. We are part of the Podfix network. So make sure that you are checking out all the great shows that are part of the Podfix network. You can check them out at podfixnetwork.com. I really want to thank all of you guys for listening. Have a great night. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.